Thank you for choosing to listen to the Hope Rock Church at Lake Travis podcast. For more resources and information on our church or our team, please go to www.hoperockchurch.com or find us on Facebook. Morning, Hope Rock. It's good to see you all this morning. I'm sure that if you were here this past week, at least uh, Thursday and Friday, you were blessed by the time of ministry as I was. It was a really awesome time getting to hang out with, our, with NCMI, our partners, hearing from Tyron, from Chris, and just being sewed into. Uh, I always love it when, when people come and sew into the life of our church that are not us, you know what I mean? Because what I find is God is always speaking with the same voice. You know, He's reminding us all the time of the things that He wants us to keep doing, and those reminders are good things to have. And so, Tyron, we really appreciate you. Thank you for all the investment that you've made into this local body over the last week. We're excited to hear what you have to tell us today as well. But we really appreciate you. We love our partnership. And uh, to be honest, I don't know what I'd do without it because through them and with them and together we are stronger, right? We can support one another. So it's a good thing. Just a couple of announcements before I hand over to Tyron. There is a ladies' retreat coming up at the end of April, beginning of May. Ladies, please put in your diaries. Uh, it's going to be the, Kerry, tw- the 30th, right? 30th to the 2nd, uh, 30th of April to the 2nd of May. Just save the dates. Put it aside. Kat's going to send out all the details. It's going to be awesome. I'm going to be there because, I'm joking. I'm not going to be there. It's for, <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, that's, how, that's why everyone's retreating. <laughs> anyway, so please put that in your diary. Catherine asked me to say it, and so I'm saying it. Just remember, 21st of March, picnic in the parking lot. So that is not this next Sunday, but the Sunday afterwards. We are going to be outside there having a whole bunch of fun, baptizing people, putting them in the water, making sure that they come out alive, which is a good thing. I'm just kidding. We're going to be serving food. We'll take care of the mains. And I've been asked to clarify what does it mean by bringing a side. It means you'll bring another dish like mac and cheese. Not a dessert, just another side dish. Maybe it's a salad. I like, I personally like mac and cheese. So if you want to bring mac and cheese, I'm not going to say no. Uh, so that's Picnic in the Park. You're not coming up. And please remember again our worship night, 30th of March. Please put that in your diary. If you haven't cleared your schedule yet, uh, please do that. It's going to be an awesome evening. And invite whoever you want to invite to that particular event as well. It's going to be really nice. We're hoping that other churches will join us. Other worship leaders will join us. We're just hoping that everyone will come, right? Because we want to make much of our king. We're trusting and we should be praying even now, not just for the worship night. We should be praying all the time. Okay, just to be clear. We should be praying every day, every week, all the time that God would pour out himself in greater measure. But we are also trusting that on the 30th, God will allow us just to stand in his presence and to experience him in a fresh new way. So please be praying for that. Put in your prayer diaries and just keep doing that. So yeah, we love you, church. Appreciate all of you, Tyron. If you could come up, we're going to hand over right to him because we know that Tyron is going to preach a good word. And we know that it's going to be awesome and we know that it's going to, it's going to be great, Tyron. So Thank you. Over to you, buddy. Thanks, bro. Appreciate it. Morning. <coughs> Uh, real joy to be with you this morning and certainly this weekend. I have absolutely loved our time with you. I know some of you probably dreaded it, but we have had an absolute ball. And uh, we are grateful to you just for our partnership. We really are, as Marco said, partnership is essential and we need it too. We are in partnership with people all over the world and we're delighted by that and privileged to do this together. Not so we can lift up our name or advance our brand but that we can be in partnership together for the gospel, getting this gospel out to the uttermost parts of the earth as well as in our great regions and great cities and this great place, Texas, the great state of Texas. What a great place. You're privileged to live here. You really are. 
Everything's bigger and better in Texas. I've heard that, and I'm here now, and I can agree to some degree. It is true. Your food is phenomenal. I don't know, we won't get into all those things, but uh, I, I just want to say thank you for the friendship partnership and just for your openness. We've really felt celebrated. It's always wonderful to minister in a place where you celebrate it. I've been to many places where they tolerate me, and that's okay, but it's a lot more difficult to be accepted when you've been tolerated. But it does seem, not all of you, but the majority of you are celebrating us. And so, again, if we just open our hearts to what God is doing, that's what we're about. Not about what I think or Marco or you. We've all got opinions. And just to be straight, I think we've all shared and expressed over our last 12 months our opinions all over. And they haven't seemed to help. Maybe we feel good, but everyone else feels angry and mad because of your opinion or mine. So I'm not here to give you my opinions on anything. And while I love you, I don't want to hear yours either. I want to hear what God has to say. And I think that's where we're at, right? If you were here at any of this weekend, I think we've covered a bunch of things. Not, not new necessarily, but certainly reminders and heard with new ears. Like For me, I think God has our attention like never before. I don't know about you, but for me, He has my attention. These last 12 months, whatever has come our way, this I know. It's like the alarm clock is ringing in the world, but also for us as the church. And I'm saying, Lord, you have my attention. I don't want to just continue life as normal, wait to get back to some normality. Then I want to get on with what I was doing before COVID-19. There is something God has got our attention. He's used this pandemic, which I don't believe he sent. I don't believe God sent this pandemic. And if you do, that's cool. But I want to tell you, God allowed it. And how do we know? Because it happened. Right? And God will take these moments, these times, these things, and He will use them for His glory. He will use them to get us back to what He intended. God never stopped what He was doing through this pandemic. You know what He did? He paused what we were doing as the church to remind us again of what He is doing and to get us to come back to what He's doing and not just getting on with our plans and purposes and hoping we're serving God in it. He also reminded us that apart from Him, we can do nothing. And we've all quoted that and all believed that, and then suddenly, boom, there it is. God says, now what are you going to do? You can't meet, you can't gather, you can't. What will you do in this moment? And we all turn back to the unchanging one when everything around us is changing and government's changing and, and opinions are changing and we're all getting older and, and we're wearing masks and we're not wearing masks and all this. And I'm not getting into any of that except to say the one thing that has stayed the same, that it was pre-COVID, that is during COVID, and whatever holds true to the next, there's only one. And we've quoted that from Scripture. Now we're seeing it. Jesus Christ, Hebrews 13, 8, is the same yesterday. He's the same today. And the good news, dear friends, the only hope we have is the same to come for eternity. 
And I don't know where you've put your anchor. And I don't know where you've put your faith. And maybe it's been in the church. Maybe it's been in ministry. Maybe it's been in what you've done and been doing. Maybe it's in family. Maybe it's in friendship. I I don't know where it is. But if it hasn't been in Christ, it's been shaken and will be shaken and keep getting shaken because God won't allow our faith to be in anything or anyone except for the one who cannot disappoint, who never changes. And friends, we got to come back to that revelation day in and day out, in good times and in bad times. And these reminders that God has given us of these last 12 months have not been reminders to come back to from moment to moment, but from lifestyle to lifestyle to, to giving our attention and our affection back to that which matters most. See, for me, the biggest lesson for 2020 was simply this. We planned and God prevailed. <laughs> we had all these plans, but God's purposes prevailed. Many are the plans of a man's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. And maybe we disappointed this morning because our plans didn't work out, but God is absolutely in control. And he's just simply saying, going forward, maybe we need to hold a little more lightly to our plans and maybe even a little more tightly to his purposes because God will have his way and I want to be with what God's doing and the wake up call is being shouted and exposed for us as the church and I I love what God's doing in Texas I love what God's doing in this region I I love what he's doing through this local church and the churches It, 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 it is a a wonderful moment for us to take the moment he's, he's bringing us to and not just bounce back to what was, but find in God what he's called us to do in this season and keep us moving into the next. I love the seriousness. There is a seriousness about you people. There's an urgency, and, and it's because of our season, but, but we might get to some normality again. Don't go back to what was. Don't go back to just being lethargic and receiving. Let, let's be the people of God. We get, I know this sounds radical, but we get to rewrite the history of the church in this nation right now. We're grateful for this nation, all that God's done through the hundreds of years through this nation, through the church in this nation. I I have an accent. I've been blessed by the church in this nation that's gone and pioneered and brought the gospel to regions where I've lived. I praise God for your, this great nation that I live in and for the church in this nation. But the church did get a bit busy doing her thing. We, the church, got on to the success of ministries and highlighting how good we are and becoming almost consumerism with all due respect. And the Lord will never allow His church to be consumed with stuff at the expense of the King. So the good Lord who loves us dearly allowed stuff to gain. And then He began to shake in the midst. And there's been a bit of a shaking. And no one likes shaking, but shaking's good. Because shaking exposes who we are and what really is inside and what really matters and what we're wasting our lives for or what we're giving our lives to. Now, I haven't enjoyed this season at all. But I'm telling you, it's the best thing that can happen, could have happened. God didn't send it, but God allowed it. And you and I cannot be nostalgic for a season that we no longer live in and we'll no longer get back to. Because God doesn't want to take us backwards. He wants to take us into the things He's called us to do. And I'm not saying some of those things of the old won't come back, but let's bring them to where we're at rather than go back to where that was. 
And this is not just for this local church. This is for every individual in this church because this church is made up of individuals. It's not based on one or two responses. It's all of us. And surely, friends, young and old in this room, many of you who've served God many years, some of you are grayer than me here this morning. Some of you don't have hair. I at least have some, Cameron. And, and uh, I, I just want to say this without... I was thinking about Marco got up here and talked about Paul says, I press on for getting what's behind it. And my, I was praying this morning. I felt God say, remind me of people I've met on, along the way who have served God. Note, served. But they've stopped. Why? Why? Because they've stopped saying yes. My, my, I found out yesterday my uncle, my dad's brother, passed away and went to be with the Lord from COVID-19. It's tragic. I mean, I know some of you lost people through. Some of you got sick yourselves. But my auntie, auntie, we're Americans here, auntie, she sent this thing of just her last words. She wasn't able to be with her, with him, obviously in hospital, in Aladdin. She was singing to him hymns through the window of his hospital bed telling her how much she loves him and singing, and he went to be with the Lord. But here's what happened. She went on to say the doctors and the nurses talked about my uncle as this man who impacted that hospital for the last two weeks. Wow. Even in death, he served wow. and continued to serve because wow. he just kept saying yes. Wow. I don't want to hear stories without being that story. There's some incredibly godly people in this room and maybe watching online who've served. But the moment you stop saying yes, you've served past tense and no longer continue to serve. I feel this is a season where we just have to keep saying yes to God. I have no tricks, no formulas for you this morning. I have a simple message. Because you say so is our season. What have you been doing, God? And I try to explain some of what I believe God's been doing in the season and what the devil's doing in the season, what man's doing in the season, how we to respond. I don't want to talk about, we've talked about some of those things, but I just sense in the season of God revealing stuff, it requires an action. It requires a people not to say, go do it, God, we're with you. But yes, Lord, count me in, and I'm going to say yes to the little and to the big. Some of us are good at doing yes to the big, but not good to the little, because the little's boring and irrelevant. But others of us are better at the little. We want nothing to do with the big. And here's what God's saying. Because He says so, do whatever He tells you to do. Are you with me? We've got to live in the now. We cannot be nostalgic for what was. We are in the now. God's not doing something for the future. He's doing something right now. I've said this before. My mother-in-law, Chris and our brothers-in-laws, and we married to our wives are sisters. And uh, we love, I love my in-laws. And uh, uh, I let them visit our house when I travel. That's kind of how we say We've got this 23-year agreement, Nicole, and I've had in our marriage. Nothing wrong, but just let your parents come hang out with you when I'm on a trip because they can stay in the house and get along. Yeah, it's just, it works, all right? Whatever you say, and it's worked, and we're happy. But my parents live in another country, so we don't see them anyway. But, but 
The, the sad thing about when my mother-in-law is with us or comes to visit or comes to visit my wife, Nicole, she spends the whole weekend talking about when will we see you again. And I understand because you always want, but she misses the moment of being there then. And all she's wondering is, are we going to do this again? And when is the next time Tyron going away? And when's the next time we're going to be together? And I'm like, why don't you just enjoy them? Yes, of course, plan, but enjoy what's happening now, not at the expense of what's to come. And I think if we're honest, including this man standing up here this morning, doing his utmost to be honest, I've just wished with this season through and hurry up and let's get out with it and let's get our way over it. And the Lord is wanting to say, it's not what the future is going to do. It's what he's doing right now we must come to. Of course, it's going to get better, and then it might get worse again, and then it's going to be, but it's not going to be the same. But most of us, if we're honest, just get through 2020, and then boom, 2021 started, and nothing changed. In actual fact, for some, it got worse. Now, is this here for 2021? Who knows? But what I do know is God's not waiting it out, nor are we waiting it out, and we've got to start looking at what He is doing right now in this season, and let's get back to saying yes to Him even in it, not one day when we come out of whatever we're coming out of. I love the Bible, don't you? I, I love going to Scripture. I don't want to hear people. I don't want to hear opinions. I'm sorry, guys. I'm so tired of being told how bad I am, how good I am, how everything else and what everyone else thinks. I want to know what he thinks. I want to know because his word reveals him and his will. And what are you doing, God? And it's alive and it's living and it's active and it's sharper than a double edge. And I, I, I love to go to Scripture, Old or New Testament, bring it all because it's all important. But it must be preached and read, read through the lenses of Jesus. Otherwise, we're going to live in old covenant truth and live under legalism rather than the freedom that Christ brings. But you don't negate the Old Testament. It's there, Right. So I love going back to Scripture. I love the book of Acts. I love to read the book of Acts because it just reminds me of what the early church was about and what's important and what they did and, and how they did what they were told to do, not just hoped it was going to happen. Yeah, Speaks of the Holy Spirit and the empowering, and Jesus said, wait for the Spirit, and then the Spirit comes and empowers them. The very things He said would happen would happen, but then they had to action it and get out and go and be and go break open cities, and, and then they got stuck in a city. Remember, and Jerusalem was doing so well, and the Lord was like, uh, this is not the call. It's Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of there. And you're doing the city thing really well for the first seven chapters of the book of Acts. Then the Lord allows persecution. Yeah. Oh, yeah, devil's having his way. Now, God's using the devil's way to get the gospel out of the walls of yeah. Jerusalem. <laughs> I read that and I go, I would rather respond in revelation to the call of Acts 1.8 rather than have to face Acts 8 verse 1. Yeah. As a, you're not listening, let me help you. Why don't we respond? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and that of us, past not, we'll do our city thing and Lake Travis and Lake Way. And I mean, gee, I can see why you want to stay here with all due respect. Please, Lord, call me before I leave. I love this place. I mean, I know it's, I can see why you don't want to go anywhere else, but the Lord didn't put you here to stay here, to go from here and keep coming back and to reach here and there. And guys, God is so committed to His Word, so committed to His purpose, so committed to His will, that if we don't listen, He will help us listen. 
He will take stuff that's happened, maybe that the devil wanted to use, or pay, and God will use it for his purposes. And he shook the early church to get out of the walls of Jerusalem and get this gospel. And they just went going wherever they could go, not knowing what they would do, but they just knew what to do because they just were taught, do this, and they preached the gospel. People got saved, healed, delivered, signs and wonders. Didn't have a conference on how to get healed. They just did it because God was with them, and they were dumb enough to just do what he told them to do. I'm not saying that irreverently. Just They just listened and did. No tricks to this. Now we've got books on how to do things and what to do and how to do it. And listen, we want to learn from others, but we're not hearing from Him. Amen. We try their stuff and it doesn't work. Or it does work. It seems to be working and a success, but it's not success in the kingdom because we're not listening to the one who's speaking loudly. Wow. I just want to hear Him do what He says. No tricks to this. Success in the kingdom? Are you ready? Are you ready? What is success? We're all asking right now. Is it numbers? Is it buildings? Is it facilities? Is it money? Is it family? None of those things are success. In my humble opinion from reading the Bible, success in the kingdom is a succession of yeses to the king. Heaven does not celebrate obedience. I mean, uh, performance. The angels in heaven and God in heaven uh, perform. Great performance, Tyron. You preached a great message this morning. Great songs. You guys, I mean, of course, it's cheering and encouraging, but it's not performance that they're looking for. It's obedience. That's all that God wants from us. Success is keep saying yes. I wish it was more than that because I'd love to give you a whole while, but this is it. This is all I got. This is where we are at. We can play games, get successful in the church world, get successful in the American Trinity, which is pleasure, success, and comfort. Oh, we can come back to, yes, Lord, because you say so. Not because I feel it, not because I want to, not because my pastor tells me, not because this dude from wherever he's from here with funny accent, because you say so, I'll say yes. You know, the thing that when you, you say so means that actually you might ask us to do things we've already tried that didn't work. It's not just the new thing, the next thing, the big thing. It could be the thing we were doing that didn't happen. He said, do it again. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. Certainly in an economy like this where there is nothing, where we all are not allowed to go anywhere, but now we're called to go everywhere. How do we do this? I don't know. But because you say so. When I read scripture, friends, I see this. God reigns despite any circumstances. He reigns. Amen. This isn't blase. This is fact. Go read the Bible. I don't understand all. I don't have all your answers. All I can tell you, God reigns. Amen. And the early church faced stuff we haven't faced. Even though we've been through pandemics and shutdowns and death, we face some stuff, of course. But I said the other day, it's almost like when we read the Bible, we put on these these. Lenses that make everything look beautiful in the Scriptures. Oh, if only we lived in the book of Acts days. I mean, that would have been so much easier. Because what are we facing here? They never faced. That's true. They went to jail. They were in prison. They were locked up. They were truly shut down. I mean, we talk about lockdown. You you, you guys are pretty free here, just so you know. We've experienced lockdown in other states. Not comparing. Well done. Carry on. But what I am saying is we have not been locked up. With shackles being held back. What for? Not because of COVID. Because we preached the gospel and said yes to the Lord. That's what happened to these guys. Beaten. Whipped. Stoned. Shipwrecked. I mean, you name it. These guys, oh, if only we lived in those days. Really? 
If only we had the same holiday. If only we had the power they had. We do. If only we had the approval they have. We have more approval today from our governments than they had from theirs. If only we had bigger budgets. They had no big budget. If only we had their budget. They didn't have a budget. Silver and gold we don't have. I mean, we can go through the list of all the things they had that we actually think they had, they didn't have, that we do have. (laughs) I'm just like, whoa, okay, maybe I didn't want to live in those days. Well, you know, I used the illustration just of, of Noah's Ark. You've heard the story, right? I grew up in the church. I remember, and we even gave it to our kids, this wonderful picture of Noah's Ark. You know, and you got the, the giraffe's head popping out, and there's the rainbow, and there's Noah, the man of God. And we tell the story about Noah's Ark, and what a great story. But we forget the real story. That was the end of that story. There was a flood that wiped humanity out. Most people don't even know that. That's why the, 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 the ark was built. Oh, Noah built an ark. There was a purpose to the ark. Why? To save him and his family because God wiped out human. All humans were wiped out. Why? Because of the evilness. Yeah. Who wants to live in those days? Do you hear what I'm saying? We suddenly get these, wow, great days. I wish I could be in there. No, no. You're in these days determined by God, these times and seasons, to be who he's called us to be. Yeah. Not to long for what was, but to walk in what is. And learn from Scripture, but not try and get back to it. Come on into this new season that God has for you. God reigns. Without His presence, you can do nothing. We see that in the book of Acts. Maybe we've done a lot without Him. Our hearts have been good, but no presence, nothing. So the Lord will just show us, okay, back to what I want. Without me, you can do nothing. Yes, we've quoted that, we've sung it. Now we're going to live it because he's shown us. God wants his church to grow in all seasons. Read that in the Bible. Oh, church growth. No, not growth, but you've got to grow for greater impact. Not grow to be big, grow to impact. God's not trying to shrink his church with all due respect. Jesus is coming back for a bride. He wants a big bride, a ready bride, a, a bride that would include all men, the Bible says. He desires all men to be saved. I don't want this little rinky hanging on, hoping for the holy huddle, waiting for Jesus. Seriously, I understand that, but we're not holding on. He's coming back. He wants his church to grow. People in the church were willing to work hard, friends. This is, I realize that we don't need more flesh, but God uses people. And it's hard work serving God. It is. There's a job to do. It's not God, you do it, and we'll cheer you. God says, you do it, and I'm backing you. He uses flesh. I wouldn't use flesh, but he does. He chooses us, his church, to function in what he's called us to. So it does require work. And some of us think, well, that's anti-grace. Not grace. Anti-grace is earned, not hard work. Not earn anything, but because of grace, we're hard working. Paul says, I'll work hard. Jesus worked hard, friends. He came to model what it meant to live a kingdom life. Can I also say a praying church is unstoppable? Amen. I, I get in trouble saying this. When I moved back to this nation to plant a church in Colorado in 2010, beginning of 2010, I moved from Australia. I led a great, I mean, I think a great church, any church is great, but a pretty decent-sized church with a big impact globally and all that. I had the privilege of leading that church. We had hundreds. I think at our prayer meetings, we had close to five or 600 people come to our prayer meetings on a Wednesday night. It was wonderful, and we had like amazing prayer meetings and God did stuff. And then we moved to America, planted a church in Denver, and I met a few pastors, and I tried to befriend them. And they, 
I told them we did a prayer meeting. We're going to start a prayer meeting. They said, oh, prayer meetings don't work in America. <laughs> Seriously. Pastor's telling me that. I said, T- explain that, please. What do you mean? People don't come. So we just won't have them. Okay. What do you see in the Bible? I mean, the Bible, either we're biblical or what people want. Pick and choose. We can't do both. Can, can I be bold enough to say, as this great nation that lies ahead for us, look at the mess our nation's in. Why? Because according to pastors, prayer meetings don't work. Why is that? Because people don't show up. Does that determine the success of a prayer meeting? Or do we read through the book of Acts and see the signs and wonders and miracles and the power that God used people in? Why? Because the church was earnestly praying. Amen. We want the power of God. Oh, we're not willing to have the prayers. Why? Because prayer meetings don't work. Yeah, I hope you have a prayer meeting. I'm not even going to ask. I dare not ask, but if you don't, best you have one. Why? Because oh, we can all pray in our prayer closet. Yes, of course you can, and you best should be doing that. But the church was called to pray. Show me that in the Bible. Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 3. I mean, I'll just show you everywhere. And even when the Holy Spirit came and they were empowered, guess what? They still kept praying. He didn't replace prayer. They needed to pray. Amen. Good to hear. Well done. <laughs> All of a sudden, I saw your text. We're having a prayer meeting. No. I, I, don't do it for me. Just see the need. And, and let me just tell you, you should be here. And if you're asking, Marco, if I come to the prayer meeting, what I get? Wrong heart. Nothing. What's in it for you? Zippo. Nothing. Let's stop being what's in it for me and what's in it for him. We serve him. Amen. Yes, Lord. And how can we see this nation changed? Amen. Not through pol- political arenas and not through governments, through the church operating in the power of God. Come on, church. Amen. Got to pray. It's hard work to pray, but it's God. I, prayer is weakness leaning on omnipotence. Amen. When we don't pray, you know what we're saying? We got this, God. We know what we're doing. Don't worry, God. We got this. And God's like, you ain't got nothing. Without me, you have nothing. Yeah. I'm weak. You are strong. I'm weakness leaning on omnipotence. We need more of him and less of us in the church Amen. today. This nation doesn't need a good structure and good people doing some good stuff that lines up next to everyone else. We need God to intervene through His people, God to move His sovereign hand, God to do the things, and let's see the power demonstrated out there through us who are praying and trusting and walking in His ways. Prayer is New Testament. It is in the church, and one of the most amazing stories in the book of Acts is in Acts chapter 12. What a prayer meeting that was. And Peter and John were locked up in prison. Locked up, not shut down, not locked down, locked up. And they were worshiping, but the church was earnestly praying. And suddenly the shackles fall off, and suddenly the doors open of the jail, and what happens? They walk out. And the dude's freaking out. They say, don't worry, God did this, it's cool. And then they go to 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 someone's house who's praying. There's a prayer meeting going on. Women and children were there, not just the apostles, not the men, the church. And there's a knock at the door. And Rhoda goes open, opens the door. Peter and John are standing there. She slams the door. Yeah. She runs back to the prayer meeting. Whoa, 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 whoa. Peter and John are over there. Yeah. Now get this. They say, oh, Rhoda, they're in prison. Yeah. We're praying for them. That must be their ghosts. Yeah. I mean, they would rather think a ghost was standing there than the answer to their prayer was standing there. Right. Are you there? You know what that tells me? You don't even have to have faith when you pray. Just pray and God will do what God wants to do. I'm not mocking. I'm just telling you, friends, we want God to do, but we're not willing to do. 
can't earn it, but God's called His church to pray. And a praying church is unstoppable. Not a good church, not a big building, not great ministries. A praying church is unstoppable. The other thing is that the church had to continually let go of the comfort and familiar in order to fully follow Jesus and advance His gospel. Another thing, just while we're here, is that the message of the church was simply Jesus. Nothing political, nothing social. They didn't try and legislate morality. Simply preached Jesus. Very quiet. It's in the Bible. The church was passionate about seeing people getting saved. Crowds and opinions always changed. They never were the same. Praise of man is fickle, my dear friends. One minute they love you, the next minute they don't. Just get used to that. And it seems like the early church leaders knew that, so they didn't have their faith. They didn't put their stock in what people said or people's opinions. They just simply trusted God and did what Jesus told them to do. That's where their faith was at. I want to say this. In early church, if Jesus shows me that if Jesus is not setting me on fire, well, then the fire is going to go out. I'm not here to make us feel bad. I'm here to challenge you and me. And don't forget the Word of God is not a lens only. It's a mirror. That's why when we open it and read it for ourselves, God is adjusting us as we see the future God has for everyone. Don't throw rocks and scriptures at people. We read it as a mirror to our souls, to us first. What needs to change? And I'm standing here saying that to you. In my heart, this is a mirror to me, not just a lens for you. I want truth. I want to come back to this. Let me tell you, with COVID, we got exposed. The church in America got exposed. Our foundation got exposed. Too many churches and ministries have been built on personalities and giftings and ministries. But I believe in this season, we have been in and we are coming out. So don't wait to be in it still. I believe God has birthed and is birthing a whole new structure, a whole new pattern, a whole new wineskin that will be built on Christ and that will better represent Jesus than anything or anyone else. See, we have met many Christians in America, churchgoers. They've tried church, but they've never tried Jesus. Why? Because it's been about church and experience rather than being about Jesus. And we've been exposed. Our foundation in this nation, we the church have been exposed. And all I want to say is don't point fingers at other churches. What about this church? Where are you at as individuals? What's your foundation? A ministry, a person, a book? Or Jesus. See, I, I believe coming out of this, don't be offended by this. I don't know how else to say it. But I think coming out of this season, we will be a lovesick bride who has met with her lover, her bridegroom king. And let me say this. We'll do more out of love for him than out of religion to do stuff for him. So when I talk this morning, just for a moment, around this thing of obedience, 
If you've been in church long enough, you would have heard many messages on obedience. Listen, I've heard many. I've grown up in the church, and I've had some incredibly legalistic preachers tell me about obedience where I've been beaten over the head about how I better obey Jesus. And if you, don't, if you really love him, you'll obey him. And you almost walk out of there condemned going, okay, I better do this. What kind of love is better? Do this. I mean, I, I, God, Jesus doesn't want us to better do this. He's not looking even in the season, I better do this. I better get. What kind of love is that? He, he wants us to want to do this. We get to do this. And, and friends, it's a big difference. It doesn't mean every day we like this. But if we love him, we, we get to do this. If we begrudge him, we got to do this. There's a guy who wrote a book, and I keep getting stuck on this. Gary Chapman, I know you've all read that book. You, no, I'm joking. If you have read it, I'm sure your wife or your husband's given it to you. Every spouse seems to give it to every spouse. And my wife handed me that book once. I refuse to read it, but I, I know what's in it. If you heard of the five love languages, come on. Ah, yeah, now you all know. Yeah, I know that book. I've got that book. Yeah, she's sent it to me. He sent it to me. I'm not saying it's a bad book or a good book. I'm not endorsing any book except the Bible. I never have and never will. I mean that. But... But anyway, the, the basis of this book is that we all have love languages, right? You've read it, so don't act like you don't know what I'm saying. Yeah. And the book is about we seem to love others with our love language, thinking they feel love, but they don't because their love language is different. I mean, I've I got to admit, I like gifts, and somebody handed me gifts. So I'm going to keep talking about things I like, and they're going to keep buying me. <laughs> Next is a boat and a, har- a Harley and... Uh, sorry, I'm bad, bad choice. But, but I like gifts. That's my thing. I don't know. I'm sorry if you think it's heathen, but I believe it's the gift God gave me to feel loved. Okay? So get, that's it. You, yours is just as bad as mine, whatever it is. All right? My wife's happens to be service. I mean, it just seems like most ladies have that gift. They want to be served. That's great. But it's not my gift. <laughs> and so honestly, the way I bless my wife is I buy her gifts. I seriously, and I mean, I travel, so when I do, I want to even get a bigger gift. And for me, the more expensive the gift is, the more my extravagant love toward her. Seriously. So I get home from trips. I've learned now. I, just, I don't do this anymore. But I used to, babe, look what I bought you. She's like, I don't need that. I'm like, I know you don't need it, babe. It's not about need. It's my desire to show my love. And she's like, how much do you pay for it? So I'm like, I'm not going to tell you what I pay. <laughs> and then she's like, can I take it back? I've got coupons. I can get it in. And I'm like, ah, I'm not going to do this for you. But that's my way of saying I love. And she's like, I don't need more perfume. I don't need more of this. Just get, give me, we need groceries. I'm like, don't worry about groceries. We'll eat. Just smell good while we eat, you know. <laughs> I'm getting in serious trouble. Let me move on. But, but that's not her. She would love me to serve. She'd love me to clean the kitchen or, or pack the dishwasher or, or do so, take the kids to so, I don't know. Do, that's how she feels loved. I don't feel loved when I do that. Do you understand? Now, whatever your thing is, I'm not getting caught up in your thing. What I'm trying to say is, what kind of husband would pack the dishwasher and shove the clothes and say, are you happy now? Do you feel loved? <laughs> I have tried that once a time. My wife's like, babe, I'd rather just do it myself. I'm like, no, babe, I did it for you now. Do you, there's no love in that, dear friend. Right? There's no love in that. So I, I just, for you who are struggling in marriage, let me explain what I had to do. Is I buy myself gifts? <laughs> Sorry, that's a bad thing. I feel loved, and I get my sons to clean the kitchen and pack the dishwasher. Sorry, that's a bad thing. 
No, I'm joking. My wife will tell you I've got way better. Certainly been locked down 12 months. I, I'm helping out where I can, but I'm still buying myself gifts where I can. <laughs> Why I say that is this, because Jesus does have a love language, and we're not playing the, 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 the five love language, but he does have a, he makes it very clear. He says in John 15, he says, if you love me, you listening? Not you'll come to church. Not you'll sing a song. Not you'll declare. Most of you say, of course I love Jesus. We sat here and talked to him, uh, told him how awesome. Yeah, that's your love language. Of course he wants that. But he said, if you love me, he made it clear, you'll obey me. Oh, I'm going to obey him. I've just heard again. Here we go. Well, he doesn't want that. That's not love. That's like slamming the dishwasher. Happy woman. Are you there? Come on, guys. We would never do that to our spouses, but we do it to him because he wants us to obey. It's cause and effect. It's not I have to obey you. I get to obey. Because I love you, I obey you. Not because I love you, I have to obey you. I obey you out of love. And this isn't for the ladies here. This is for the church to come back to the understanding that we say yes to him because we love him. We are all about him. If if you have a... uh, a obedience problem, you have a love problem. And it's not obey better, it's get back to loving Him. Amen. That's what it is, friends. It's not obey more, it's love Him more and you'll obey Him. It's the automatic effect of your cause of, I love you, I'll obey you. Does that make sense? Let's read quickly. I want to use a story. I've got nowhere this morning as per usual. Do you know, I do believe, that, go to, go to uh, Luke chapter 5, please. I do believe that it's actually the heart of the Great Commission is love. I've always been taught the Great Commission. I've always preached the Great Commission. And Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been now given to me. Now go and make disciples of all nations. And then it goes on and says, teaching them to obey. And I've always thought, honestly, take your Bible and force people to do what he said. But if obedience is love, teaching them to love me enough to obey me. It's not this beating people over the head. It's not taking your Bible out there and telling them God hates you and God's going to destroy you. It's teaching them to fall in love with Jesus. It's teaching them to understand a relationship, not a religion. We're going to do more for him out of love for him than duty for him. Maybe we're duty driven rather than love driven. I want to tell you, I just want to love him and do what he tells me to do. No tricks. I want to keep saying yes. I don't want to, it was too hard to say yes. I just want to keep saying yes. And Hope Rock Church was founded by people who just said yes. And they handed over. I remember talking to Jeremy the other day, just reminded, yes, it made no sense. But if they did it and they said yes, look at what God's done. And to see them involved, it's just awesome. Well done. But they got to keep saying yes. we got to keep saying yes. And it's not like, okay, now it's done. It's continued. This church is what it is because you keep saying yes. But it's going to be what it's called to be if you keep just saying yes. You can have it all laid out for you. You can all be described to you. But if you don't say yes, it's not going to happen. There are many great examples of people who obeyed, who simply did what they were called to do. They said yes and kept saying yes. And you know what's interesting? It didn't just bless them. More importantly, it had an impact on many others. And that's why we got to keep saying yes. Not just so you can walk in the will of God, so others can be impacted because of your obedience. That's how God works. 
Doesn't always make sense. Most did won't make sense. And in a season like this, that's why we've got to come back to because you say so, not because this makes sense. And I moved to this great nation. I love America. I say whatever you want about this nation. It is an awesome nation. And I moved here from Australia to Colorado with an American wife. Thank God for her, my wife, and my one oldest son was born in California when I was there. Anyway, long story. But we came here in simple obedience. We, we had no idea. We had no people waiting for us. I had a, a great church I was leading in another country that had everyone. I had principals in school there, my kids' school. They were deacons in my church. I got the hookups at the school, Christian school. I'm not trying to say look at the price. I had it hooked up. I was connected. My dad was living three streets down the road from me. He's got a, a liver transplant. Knowing if I move here, he'll never be able to come. And so all these great, and God said, Go to America, and go back to America, and go plant a church. You want to be a part of what I'm doing in Denver, Colorado. I'd never been to Colorado. I'd lived only in California. And in those days, those days in the early 90s, California was like, if you lived there, why would you go anywhere else? Sorry, Texas. <laughs> now they're all headed here, right? It's another story. Move on. But so I met my wife in California. She'd never been out of the state. I think she went to New, Z uh, New York once in a whole lifetime. And she married me, and within the first year of marriage, she'd been to like 12 countries out of the country because God called us to. So now we're living in Australia, and we're having this dream, and then God says, go. To where? Colorado, Denver. And I'm like, I've never been there. <laughs> I'm like, gee, all right, well, that's cool. I, said, I remember saying to my wife, babe, do you want to go see Denver? She'd never been there. She's American. She goes, um. she said, if, we, <laughs> if I don't like it, are we still moving? And I was like, yeah, of course. Thank God for my wife who's just so practical. She said, what's the point of seeing it? We're going anywhere, right? And she didn't go because of me. She went because God spoke to her, Anna. But when we landed in Denver, we were overwhelmed how beautiful it was. I mean, wow. And, but we just went because we had no idea. And guys, I'm not trying to blow my trumpet here this morning. I'm just telling you the impact that people we've been saved. See, say churches have been birthed and established even across the U.S. because we had no idea. Yeah, I probably think if... I had an idea, I probably wouldn't have gone. But we just said yes. We just want to be part of what you're doing, God. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. And we, we just keep saying. And then we, we were in the sweet spot, and God says, hand over that church. Because you've got to keep track. I'm like, dude, this is the dream. I'm not, we've seen the breakthroughs. We've handed over. Just keep saying yes. I, it doesn't make sense. We just keep saying yes. And saying yes doesn't mean keep going. It means sometimes stay. Some of us are like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm done with this place. I mean, listen, it's hard to be in a church. It's just as one who's based in a church who planted a church that you based, that you planted, you now based. I'm just, it's not easy for every reason. It's like, I guess, a father and mother who watched their daughter marry a man and now I have to back off and watch. I've never had that privilege. I'm not going to have it because I've got three sons, thank God. But now you've got it from a distance. Watch your daughter as you birthed, become someone else's. It's great. You want to see them succeed, but you see them making decisions. You go, oh, I'm not, no, no, I haven't picked up anything. I'm just, I'm just telling you how hard that is. And so for me, I'm ready to go. Okay, Lord, where's next? And the Lord's like, stay. But that's saying yes means stay. Like, surely not, Lord. I mean, I'm young. We can pioneer. We're stuck in COVID. I can't travel. Let's plant some more churches. Stay. Oh, I don't want to stay. I want to go. I want to say yes to you. Well, then stay, because yes, stay. Not pick and choose. It's like, yes. Mm. 
Okay, quickly, Luke 5. Are you with me? Sorry, guys, we got to land. I've got a plane to catch, so you'll be excited to know I have to land this. Luke chapter 5, verse 1. This is, it's the miraculous catch. We all know the story, right? We all know it. But I want to tell you, there's some lessons here. We all talk about the great miracle and the catch, but we don't realize what happened before that in order for that catch. Luke 5, 1. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Uh, I want to put myself in these positions. I don't want to just read a story and go, that's great. I want to say, what if I was a fisherman? And guys, you'll realize very quickly I'm not. I don't like fishing. I'm sorry. I'll probably offend you because you've got this massive lake I keep hearing about, but it's hard to find it until you go see it. Lake Travis. I'm like, where's the lake? Is there a lake here? And then we, gee, this is like the beach. It's a, so I'm going to get in trouble with this because I don't know. I don't like fishing. I don't find it fun. I, I like to eat fish but not catch fish because never, I never catch any fish. So. so forgive my ignorance. But this I know. If I was a fisherman... And I had fished all night. And it was not a hobby for them. This was their job. You understand? This wasn't a leisure thing. This is how they made money. They fished all night and they caught no fish. But they were still cleaning their nets as if they had caught fish because you've got to clean your, fish, your nets to get ready for the evening again to go fishing again to get money to have an income so you can support your family. You, you get that, right? So Jesus comes along and he says to them, hey, I need your boat. I mean, that's one yes. Okay, here's my boat. I want to preach from your boat. So you, he could have said, okay, here's my boat. Yes, there's a yes. Use my boat. Jesus sits there and he teaches these people wonderfully. And then Jesus looks at someone and he says, hey, you know what? Throw your nets out. Now it's daytime. You understand? They've just cleaned the nets. It's daytime. They caught no fish. These guys know how to fish. It's their profession. Jesus, with all due respect, is not a fisherman. He's a son of a carpenter. If Jesus was to say, well, you know what? I'm going to show you how to build a table so you can put the fish on to eat for breakfast. It would make a little more sense by his upbringing. It was a fisherman telling a fisherman it would make a little more sense, but it wasn't. It was a son of a carpenter who told a fisherman who fished all night that he must throw his net out in the daytime and try again in the very place he had already tried. Do you see the yes here? And I love Simon because he didn't just say, okay, cool. He exposed what's in his heart, but he responded by revelation. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night, and we haven't caught anything. Now, he could have stopped there. Most of us stopped there and say, we gave it a go. We tried. We worked hard. We've done it, and it didn't work. So no, right there, you've served God, no longer going to serve him. Does it make sense? You have the reason to say, we fished, we caught nothing, we gave it a go. Well, you've got to keep giving a go if he says. That's all I'm trying to say, if he says it. And so he said, look, we've done this, it didn't work. Most people say, it didn't work, we gave it a go, we'll wait for the next thing. But the Lord came and said, do the same thing. And he said, but because you say so. Not because I heard a preacher say, not because the church says so, not because my spouse says so, not because my friends say so, because you say so. Amen. 
I will let down the net. When they had done so, can, can I? <laughs> I, I? I think, maybe give me a bit of leeway here. So as a fisherman, if he said to Jesus, hang on, let me just get consensus from the other fishermen. Which is good to get consensus. You understand this, right? But I, maybe if he went to them and said, guys, here's the deal. I know we fished all night. We've just cleaned our nets. We didn't catch nothing. Uh, but Jesus is kind of saying we should give it another go. Who, who, who agrees? Put your hand up. Let's, let's take a vote. Cast a lot. I kind of think, just give me some leeway. They probably would have said, with all due respect, Simon. Daytime. No fish here. We know how to do this. He's the carpenter. Maybe we wait till tonight and we'll give it a go again. Are you there? I mean, let me just tell you that what God's called us to do, we're going to have good people, honoring people, talk us out of what God's called us. You just got to know that. You can't block your ears to people, but you best listen to the Father, not the people. Because good people will be, oh, it doesn't make sense. And you can't leave your family now. And you, can't, you can't do that now. And it's COVID and we've got no money and we can't travel. And it doesn't make sense. you crazy. Wait till, the, wait till the conditions are right. We can fish again. Are you there? That's the obvious answer that anyone with half a brain would go, yeah, it makes sense. But because you say so, it doesn't make sense. So they did in verse 6, when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. You see that? They didn't catch enough. They had more than enough. There was this massive miracle. Verse 7, so they signaled their, parent, their partners in their other boats to come and help them. And they came and filled the boats so full that they began to sink. Now we're seeing this miracle was so radical that now they, it's, the blessings become a bit of a curse. It's like... Are you there, guys? When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at his knees, Jesus' knees, and said, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. For he and his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that had taken. And so was James and John and the son of Zebedee and Simon partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you'll catch men. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. Now, here's a question. Who... Or what is waiting on the other side of your yes? We don't know until we say yes. These guys needed a catch. They caught nothing. But because they listened to Jesus and did what he said, they caught so much fish, they were blessed, and then everyone else was blessed because of their obedience. You see, some of us are so, it's me and what about me? I, I'm not, it's not about us. We'll be blessed. They had enough fish for themselves, but it's to bless other people. We talked the other night about miracles, and I, a lot of you responded about, I, I want to walk in it. But, but miracles happen when we cooperate with God's initiation. That's what happened here. They had to say yes and do something. So, so what's waiting on the other side of our saying yes? Simple thing or big thing? As Hope Rock Church, well, who's waiting out, out there for, for you simply to say yes to God so His purpose can be fulfilled and people's res- those who are needy and waiting can be, come to Jesus? Amen. 
That's why for me, this is bigger than us. And that's why for me tonight, today, the Lord's saying to Hope Rock Church, you've got to keep saying yes because there are people, there are miracles, there are situations that have been set up and you've got to keep saying yes, even though you don't know. They didn't know. They didn't think it through. They just said yes and God did this. And it's a miracle even though it made no sense. How did he, why did he respond? Because of his revelation of Jesus. Master, we have fished all night and caught nothing, but because you say so, you're my master, and because master says so, says so I'm going to do it. I, I'm telling you, friends, it, it matters how you see Jesus. You and I are not going to say yes to big things and little things and certainly things that don't make sense. If we don't see Jesus as master, ah, oh, Jesus, he's awesome, he's cool, he hooks me up, he's my mate, he's my buddy. Yeah, we get the Jesus thing. No, no, he's your master, he's your Lord, he's your savior. And we are here on this planet, not for him to serve us, but for us to serve him. And if you have a, a warped view of Jesus, you'll never keep saying yes to Jesus. Not a one-off encounter, an ongoing, you are Lord. We love the Savior dynamic of Jesus in America. Give me the Savior, which means that I'm a sinner, but the Savior shows up and saves me from all sin. Give him to me, and I'll add him to my life as I continue my journey of life here on earth. But it doesn't work like that. He's not your Savior who adds to your life. He is Lord of your life. He takes everything everything, and it begins to center around Him. And that's not a bad thing. That's the most awesome thing. But if you have that, don't have that view, you're not going to say yes. I'm not going to say yes. The church has stopped saying yes to Jesus in our great country because we don't see Jesus as Lord. We see our leaders and we see ourselves and my life, and I get to choose what I want to do. Yes, you do. But if you want to serve Him, you do what He says. Does that make sense? Our Christology determines our missiology, and our missiology determines our ecclesiology. In other words, the way we see Christ determines who we are as a church and the mission we're involved in. It all revolves around how we see Him. And thank God that Simon saw Him as master. Jesus is prominent in many lives, but He's not preeminent in many lives. And maybe not even in the church. What do I mean there? He doesn't have first place in everything. Yeah, Jesus, He's there. He's prominent. But he's not preeminent. If he's not preeminent, my dear friends, we're not going to keep saying yes. It's out of love, not duty. Remember that? Love. Are you truly surrendered and submitted to Jesus? Truly. Not, yeah, I met him one day. No, no, daily. I mean, I'm trying in God to do this better daily. I'm, I'm in the room this morning and I'm like, Lord, what do you want? I've got all these great truths that we didn't get to this week. I want to go there. But I'm trying to honor him. What do you want me to do? How can I get up and preach this message and tell you what I think rather than I want to submit and surrender daily? Daily, what do you want, Lord? I want to do your will. I want you, Lord. I'm not. My friends, it's stating the obvious, but I'll tell you what, if Simon, if Simon didn't have that revelation, I don't believe he would have responded like, he would have responded like every other fisherman, not today, Lord. And he would have missed a moment that would not have been there that night because it was in that moment Jesus wanted to do something. Seeking the governance of Christ. The guidance. How many of you look to him for guidance rather than look to everything else, the glory? You know, the main thing in our togetherness is not to keep the main thing the main thing. The main thing is to keep the main one the main thing. Everything revolves around the one, not the thing. You with me? Yeah. 
Just secondly, quickly, relationship. I, I, I know that I've gone too long. It's not enough just to have a revelation master. He wants relationship. I don't think it's easy to serve Jesus if he's just your master. Now, please, I, I do believe he is your master, but we're missing a lot if he's master and I'm servant. How do I know that? Because Jesus actually said that. In John 15, he talked about inviting me and I and, I and you and apart from me, you can do nothing. But he goes on and he says, I no longer call you servant, but I now call you friend. Why? Because a servant does not know his master's business. But I've revealed to you everything my Father has revealed to me. Why did he say that? He's saying if you are only servant and master relationship, if you are task orientated and you're going to say yes because of task, and you're all about doing a task and getting a task done and doing stuff for him rather than with him, you're going to burn out. And I believe, and I'm standing here confessing to you this morning, I, at times, even in 2020, before 2020, got into this thing of doing stuff for him. Okay, give me the next task, and I'm saying yes. I'll just keep doing it. And it's almost like we're all saying, as I said the other night, where were the prophets that didn't, they were supposed to warn us about all the stuff coming? Where were they? And I get that they have a role, but let me say, where were we? It's not the prophet's job to tell us. It's our job as friends of Jesus to know what he's doing. We should not be surprised going forward if we're walking with Jesus as friends. We should be less surprised. He wants to reveal. We don't need to Google stuff. We get to go to his heart, and he has the greatest resources of the secrets of heaven, not to hold out on us, but to reveal to us what he's doing here on earth. And while we need pastors and preachers, you have Christ yourself, and you should be able to go to him and get the wealth of what he's doing because you're friends of Jesus and he's entrusted you with the master's business. And I've been so busy doing stuff for him that I missed the stuff he wanted me to see. So master revelation that I missed this revelation of friend. I believe that God wants to reveal more of himself to us in the season and has, but I also believe he wants to show us stuff, not weird stuff, stuff he's doing because he wants to reveal it to us so we can keep saying yes to the king and to our friend. You know, your encounters with a friend is way different to encounters with a master. I don't want to fear him. I want to encounter. I want intimacy with him. I don't want to not just not do what he says. I don't want to disappoint him. So I, I don't go from task to because I don't want to, because I have to, but I, I'd rather a friend doesn't want to disappoint. I don't want to disappoint him. And I don't know if that, do you understand? Friends, I do stuff for my friends because I don't want to disappoint them, not because I have to do it. My connection with him is a total, I, I look forward for, to connect with my friends, but you don't look forward to connect with a master. Doesn't matter, it changes everything. I feel like we need that posture shift. The church needs it, friend. Jesus is our friend. He didn't say, you call me friend. He said, I call you friend. Why? Because I've revealed to you what my father has shown me. We've got to respond to that thing. Then thirdly, there's the request. Our biggest thing, I our danger is this, our inability to hear God. Two greatest challenges, I think, for the church going forward is our inability to hear God. And secondly, our unwillingness to do what He says. We're good at listening and hearing, but not hearing God. Can I be bold enough to you, friends? America's too loud. There are too many voices right now, even in the church. 
Would we just silence the voices of social media, of governments, of opinions, of good stuff, and come back to hearing the voice of God? Amen. Like never before, we better hear Him. Like never before, we have to attune our ears to hear the Father, what He is saying to us. And then secondly, our ability to actually do what He says. Nothing Jesus says is a suggestion. Now, Jesus said the difference between a foolish and a wise person is not hearing. Jesus said, in anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house upon the rock. And when the storms come, the house will stand. But he goes on and says, but anyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who builds his house upon the sand. And when the storm comes, the house crashes. What's the difference between foolish and wise? Not hearing. Practice. Doing. Wise does. Foolish listens and does nothing. Our response, we've got to respond. See, all this stuff means nothing if we're not responding. Our willingness and desire to be obedient to Jesus is at the heart of the entire faith walk. Obedience is an act of faith. Disobedience is the result of unbelief. Only when he believes, only he who believes, Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, only he who believes is, is obedient, and only he who is obedient believes. What hinders us responding? I'm landing. Fear. Fear will hinder us responding. And that's an obvious one. Fearful. If I did this, what's the consequence? doesn't matter. Just do it anyway. Yeah, I, I, I want to I, I be in a place where I actually say yes before I know what I'm saying yes to. That's how we should be living. It's not crazy. Not yes to a man. Not yes to a ministry. Yes to him. Not like, ah, uh, What's in it for me? How will this affect me, my family? I mean, I get all those questions matter, but actually they don't if he's saying it. Yes, I've already said yes. When I died to myself and became a follower of Jesus, I keep saying yes, and I want to keep saying it. It's easy to stand up and say this. It's not easy to live this, but we've got to live this now. Hope Rock Church. So fear. Maybe you've tried things that didn't work. Fearful to try it again. Maybe you're let down by God. God's never let you down. You might not have heard God or someone or something. Ah, uh-uh. do it again. Fear is a major thing in this year. Familiarity is a big thing why we won't. This guy was a fisherman. He knows how to fish. He knows all the, everything about fishing. Familiarity could have said, I'm not going to do it. I know what to do. It's not the time. But when he says it's time, it is time. It's hard to believe even in COVID, we've got familiarity. We've got ways the last 12 months that we've got comfortable in. Situations and circumstances, this is how we do it in COVID. Never thought we'd get comfortable in COVID, but we are. The church is. I mean, in trouble, the online guys are like, I'm not mocking. I'll just come back, get back. We've got to get some stuff done. We've got to get together. We've got to move. We've got to walk. We can't be comfortable and familiarity. In, we've got to step out and do what God's called us to do. <laughs> Lack of faith. Lastly, I want to say we, there's a reward. There's a reward. The greatest reward 
when we respond out of revelation, we build relationship, we work with Him as our friend. We listen to what He says. We respond. We just keep saying yes. There's a reward. And the reward is not our reward. The reward is for people waiting on the other side. And we get to be rewarded. Friends, I do believe this is a season of yes. I really do. And I know every season is. But as I've been praying into this season, what we're doing globally, and I felt God say, this is a because I say so season. I'm like, Lord, that makes no sense. That's why. Because if you say it, we'll do it. So I'm going to ask if you just close your eyes for a moment. And, and again, friends, this is not, a, it's not an emotional response. It's a faith response. I, uh, there's been so much said this weekend. I'm sure you're overwhelmed and exhausted from all the truth and stuff. And, and you've got to process everything, and that's great. We all do. But I want to say this. Obedience is the key to everything that God has said this week. And obedience is the key to this church, not having served God, but to continue to serve the purposes of God. Thank you for listening to the Hope Rock Church at Lake Travis podcast. We are a church that is passionate about knowing Christ and making Him known in our city, the nation, and the ends of the earth. For more information on who we are, please go to www.hoperockchurch.com or find us on Facebook.